0: You are listening to Meet the Thriller Author, the podcast where I interview writers of mysteries, thrillers, and suspense books. I'm your host, Alan Peterson, and this is episode number 76. In this episode of the podcast, I'm going to be introducing you to Lauren Carr. She is an Amazon all-star author who writes mysteries that have made Amazon's best-selling ranks internationally. Her latest book, Winter Frost, was published in late January And it's the uh, part of her Chris Matheson Cold Case Mysteries series. She has several series, so we'll be talking about her different series, as well as her latest book and what she's uh, working on, and a whole lot more, so stay tuned for that in a moment. I want to let you know about a very cool new class being offered over at uh, Masterclass, and that is uh, Dan Brown teaching how to write thrillers. This is obviously for my listeners who are writers or aspiring writers. If you want to learn how to uh, write thrillers from one of the most successful thriller authors out there, check out Dan Brown's masterclass. It's pretty cool. And you can uh, go to thrillingreads.com forward slash brown to get access to Dan Brown's masterclass. And it's a great way to uh, support this podcast. So I appreciate that if uh, you go check that out at thrillingreads.com forward slash brown. Okay, let's get into our latest interview here with Lauren Carr. Hey, everybody, this is Alan Peterson with Meet the Thriller Author. And today I'm going to be talking with Lauren Carr, who is an Amazon All Star author who writes mysteries that have made Amazon's best selling ranks internationally. And her latest book, Winter Frost, was published a couple of weeks ago. And we're going to be talking to her today about that and a whole bunch more. Hi, Lauren. How are you doing today?
1: Oh, how are you doing, Alan? <laughs>
0: uh, I'm doing good. Thanks for being on the podcast. I appreciate it.
1: Oh, well, I'm glad to be here.
0: <laughs> so before we kick things off, can you tell us a little bit about your background and the road that you've taken to becoming a novelist?
1: Well, I believe writers are born. You know, we're, we're just different from other people. And I've always been making up stories. And I love murder mysteries. Whenever I was a little kid, my mother would read Perry Mason to me at bedtime. You know, instead, she wasn't interested in Dick and Jane. <laughs> and so I just always loved the murder mysteries, cut my teeth on the Bobbsey twins and Nancy Drew and the Hardy Boys. And whenever I was a teenager, I entered a writing contest and I entered a kidnapping story for this Teenage Girl magazine, and of course, a love story one. But uh, that's just, mysteries have always been my thing. So I got an English degree from George Mason University, English and Journalism. I worked as an editor for the federal government, and I always thought that mysteries were too I would write humor. I wouldn't necessarily write murder mysteries because I just thought that was something that I wasn't smart or clever enough to do. And about the 1990s, my husband would bring home murder mysteries for me and I didn't like them or I'd figure out who the killer was. They were too easy for me because I was reading like everything that would come off the shelf. And I basically decided, okay, I'm going to write a murder mystery for myself. And that's what I do is... I write the murder mysteries that I would want to read, and um, and since I learned the editing, I learned the layout design while working for the federal government. I realized whenever like Amazon came along with CreateSpace, I realized you know I have all the tools and knowledge to be able to do this myself. So that's why I'm an indie author, and I've even published other authors' books, just taking everything that I learned throughout my career and pieced it together to be able to do it on my own.
0: Oh, so yes, that's a great, so you went direct, you didn't have to send out query letters for 10 years, like you hear a lot of the people (laughs) having to do.
1: (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. well, you know, I did try to do that for a while, and I even did have a literary agent, I wrote screenplays, I actually had one that was considered for a television series for Lifetime, and we're talking back in the 1990s, but, you know, I always had male protagonists, and they, literary agent said that if Lifetime bought it, they were going to change it to a female protagonist. And I was like, well, that changes the whole series. <laughs> but yeah, and I let that literary agent go because I realized I don't need this middleman. Hmm. Now, I believe there are some things that is best to subcontract out. I even do my own covers now, but I do have editors because I believe you're your own worst editor.
0: <laughs> yes. Yeah.
1: yeah. <laughs> your eyes just put – what's supposed to be there on the page. You've written it so many times. You've gone over it so many times. You don't see what's really there. So I do send my books out to be edited. But I've also edited other people's books. So I know what to look for there.
0: And so you have 20 books now. I was reading in your bio, you've had over 20 titles in three different series. That's been very prolific. Has that been, what, the last few years? or?
1: Well, my first book came out in 2004 with The Root of Murder. That's the book I'm working on now. And that's you know, available for pre-order. So that will be available the end of March. So that'll be my 25th book. I now have four series. Winter Frost and Ice are my fourth series. They're called, correctly, they're called the Chris Matheson Cold Case Mysteries. But they're, you know, for sure, they're the geezer squad. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, I really am getting to like the geezer squad. But yeah, I write full time. Mm -hmm. that's how I'm able to do that. I'm usually two books ahead. Right now, I'm writing The Root of Murder, but I'm thinking about The Next Geezer Squad. And that was whenever I was writing Winter Frost, I was thinking about The Root of Murder. So I'm always like a book ahead.
0: When you're writing, do you just write one at a time, though?
1: Yeah. Well, and sometimes I'll get so far ahead in a book that I do have to set one aside. For example, Winter Frost, I was actually... A third of the way through The Root of Murder when I kept thinking about Winter Frost. And I was just really itching, you know, and it was hard to write The Root of Murder because I was thinking so much about Winter Frost. That I finally set The Root of Murder aside and went to work on Winter Frost. And I had that done within two months because just the whole story was there. Hmm. It was all there. That happened to me one other time when a MacFarity mystery, Candidate for Murder, I was working on, as a matter of fact, that was another lovers and crime mystery. That's The Root of Murder is a Lovers and Crime, that series. But I was working on that book and it was during the primaries in 2016. And just all these little sound bites Kept, you know, pinging at me because well, he couldn't escape the election, and I have a character named Gnarly who's a German Shepherd in that book, and it just came to me, elect Gnarly before I would elect any of yeah. these people, <laughs> <laughs> and I wrote the candidate for murder in six weeks. Uh-huh. It just it was all there, and I trashed everybody. So don't everyone. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You know, but basically, the party was pushing one candidate here. This party was pushing that candidate, and the police chief decides to put, you know, Mac Faraday's German Shepherd as an independent. Run him as an independent, and overnight, he became the front runner. And then, uh, so of course, both parties attacked gnarly, and gnarly's secrets came out. <laughs> the, the German Shepherds, and, and it did very well. That. <laughs> You know, so, but, and that, that, was a lot of fun, but I wrote it all in six weeks and I, I had to set the book that I was working on aside because I just couldn't stop thinking about it. Yeah. I knew I had to get it out in time for the election. So, and it was. <laughs>
0: oh yeah. So that's good. So yeah. So that was like a, from a business marketing perspective. Yeah. I see that. So yeah. You wanted to get that out before.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh,
0: so what's your process? Do you like outline all these or do you like just kind of start writing them?
1: I'm, I'm what I I'm call a planter in that I plot them out in my head. I know who the killer is in my head before I sit down to write. I come up with the premise. I don't actually sit down and write it, I don't sit down and write an outline. I have it all in my head. But whenever I sit down and start writing, the characters will often take me. I know where I want to end, and I have it planned what way I'm going to go, but. 100% of the time the characters will take me in a different direction, but I end up where I want to go. I like to use the analogy of like what's happening in the book is my world and I'm God, <laughs> and you know, but the characters have free will. And so if they're going a place that I don't want them to go, I'll set up a roadblock, but I let them make choices just so that we end up where we want to go. You know, where, where I want to go at the end. But, you know, having said that, sometimes the killer will change, you know, before I reach the end of the book. Because somebody will jump up, like a character will jump up in my head and say, I'm the killer. I did it. Mm. <laughs> you know, so, so then I will change it. And I have done that. I've actually changed. Only once, though, the book was actually – in uh editing and i changed who the killer was and i had to go and rewrite a whole ending because i realized that the person i wanted to be the killer wasn't the killer
0: oh wow that's interesting so it was already at the editor and then you said oh that, actually that's not right
1: <laughs> yeah huh. yeah you know and, and you know, i didn't have the clues wrong mm-hmm. it was just i realized character wise it would be better to have this other person be the killer just in character development and that's Usually, most of the time, whenever I'm thinking about a book, the characters are more important to me than the actual outline. Because, you know, I believe that if I develop my characters so well that I will know what they will eat for breakfast, Mm -hmm. you know, that type of thing. You probably know in Winter Frost that Murphy Thornton, he was a vegetarian. Actually, he's a pescatarian. He, he'll eat fish, you know, and that's just because that's his character. He's so disciplined that he, you know, has a disciplined lifestyle, a very disciplined lifestyle. And there's this actual exchange that he has with Chris Matheson whenever they're driving where they're talking about eating. And basically that whole scenario, that whole was to show the reader the difference between these two characters,
0: mm. yeah, actually, that's what the latest one in the Chris Matheson, The Winter Frost, right?
1: Yes. Mm-hmm. yeah,
0: so when did that idea for that book start coming into your head, and how did you get started writing on this one?
1: Well, it came to me after writing Ice. Ice was the very first book in that series. And all of my series, they basically cross over. Mm. As a matter of fact, I was offered a traditional by a traditional publisher wanted the Thorny Rose Mysteries. That's my third series. And the characters in the Thorny Rose Mysteries, they are the daughter from the Mac Mysteries and the son from the Lovers and Crimes mystery series, my other two series. And I married... The offspring of those two. Well, I had a traditional publisher offer me a contract for the Thorny Rose Mysteries. They came to me. I didn't solicit them. And I ended up having to turn them down because they wanted the character rights. Mm-hmm. And because they're the son and the daughter of my other two series, I had to be able to use them. I couldn't give away, you know, sell those rights to them. And Murphy Thornton, who's in the Thorny Rose Mysteries, is in Winter Frost. But whenever I create the Geezer Squad Mystery, that's the Chris Matheson Cold Case Mysteries, I created it with no intention of him crossing over into the other series. But Jessica and Murphy... And Tristan from the Thorny Rose Mysteries make an appearance in Winter Frost. But the, the Geezer Squad, they actually came to me. I was looking for something to watch on TV one day, and I went to Netflix, and there was a uh, documentary called The Keepers and it was about a cold case mystery of uh, this nun who was killed in uh, murdered in uh, i think it was 1968 1969 in baltimore and her students and we're talking modern day present day in you know, the 50s and 60s and they are investigating to find out what happened to the teacher and each one uses their own skill set For example, one is she's really good with people. So she goes and she interviews potential witnesses. She meets them in coffee shops and talks to them. Another one is really good with research. So she's in the library looking at microfiche articles from that time. So each one of these students, they piece together their own expertise and talents to be able to work this cold case. And I just thought that was a really great idea. And so I started doing research on people investigating cold cases. And I actually did find that a lot of local police departments, or rather a lot of police departments, they will hire on contract retired detectives to work cold cases. They just bring them in on contract. They're retired. So I decided that would make a really good series is retired detectives each one using their own skill set to work on uh, cold cases. So that's why it's called the Chris Matheson cold case mysteries. Chris Matheson, he's the primary character, but he's actually a young retiree. He's mm. in his late 40s. He's not in his 50s or 60s. It's you know, so he's a young retiree. And in Ice, his mother, who is a uh, director at a library. She convinces him to join a book club because he's just hanging around the house too much, (laughs) moping around the house, because his wife had died. Mm. You know, his wife had died. He's raising three daughters. His father had passed away the year before. So he moves back to the family farm. He's taking care of the farm. His mother is like, you need to get out of the house, go to this book club. And it's all law enforcement retirees. And they read crime fiction Well, he goes and discovers that, no, they don't read crime fiction. They pretend to be a book club, but actually they work on cold cases because their family scares the daylights out of (laughs) them. If their families knew what they were doing, they'd be in trouble. (laughs) So that's why they're working under the guise of being a uh, book club. (laughs) And each one uses their own skill sets. You know, we have a retired attorney general. We have a retired medical examiner. We have the IT guy, you know, so everybody, you know, has their own talents that they bring to the table to work
0: together. Hmm. So you have two in that series right now. Are you going to continue this series as well with the other three?
1: Yes. I try to get one from each series out a year. Okay. I try to do that. I don't necessarily always cross them over. It's just, you know, it's like an extended family. Mm -hmm. You know, somebody may make an appearance here, you know, somebody. That's why, because Winter Frost actually deals with a little bit of espionage, it just seemed a really good idea to have Murphy Thornton make an appearance. And he, you know, saves chris whenever he's on his way to jail to get him to work this case because murphy thought he was chasing a spy and it turned out he wasn't chasing a spy turned out he was chasing Chris' dead wife.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's interesting, too, because I saw that it crosses a, um, there's a lot of different genres. How do you tackle that? I mean, does just keep things fun for you and for the reader also? Because, you know, uh, you have like the police procedural and the uh, mystery, and you have a lot of stuff going on, which makes it fun. How, how do you put all that together?
1: Um, it just came naturally to me. Because I'm an independent author, And I had my training working for the federal government, doing editing and layout design and that. I I didn't actually work in the book publishing industry. And my other exposure to writing was journalism. So... Because I didn't best way to say it is I didn't know any better <laughs> <laughs> that was these the genres. The book genres were created basically by booksellers. Mm-hmm. Whenever you would walk into a brick and mortar bookstore and you say, I want a mystery, they will point down the aisle. There's the mysteries. And then, you, you know, cozies on this shelf, uh, police procedurals on this shelf, uh, suspense is on this shelf. And so the book publishers, they came up with the genres. You know, a mystery has a lot of subgenres under mm-hmm. it. Was so that the booksellers would know what shelf to put the book on, and that was how they came up with all. So they came up with all these rules and these, you know, what I call boxes to put your book in. Well, I didn't know that, and you know, I like mystery. Well, I like detectives, and I actually do write across genre. And so whenever you would submit books to book publishers, they want to know what genre you're in, and they don't want you breaking any of these rules because if you cross genres, then they don't know what to tell the bookseller, what shelf to put the book on. <laughs> so and you know, well, as an independent author, I basically write what I want to read. And I want a little bit of romance. I like the furry animals. You know, I even had you know, a blogger say to me once, Well, so what is Mac Faraday? Well, he was a homicide detective, but he's retired, so that makes it a cozy, but then he's working with a police, <laughs> that makes it a police procedural. You know, so I was breaking all these rules and I didn't realize I was breaking these rules. You know, so I mean I I even got an email from someone last week who she was looking for me under cozies. And she said, well, you know, I hadn't seen any books from her for a while. And she did a search and found out that she missed all these books because she was looking for me under cozies because... Gnarly is a furry and are in cozy. So, <laughs> so,
0: so. Yeah. Even when I first decided to call this podcast, meet the thriller author, I regretted it right away after a while, because then I would ask like a suspense writer and they're like, well, I'm not a thriller writer. I'm like, well, I just mean mysteries, thriller, suspense, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and all those subgenres and everything. <laughs> so that's a good point of being an independent is you can do what you want and, and the readers are loving it. So it's a win-win. <laughs>
1: But the downside is that it's sometimes it's hard to promote because I've had bloggers who love me. I have a whole bunch of bloggers who really love me. But trying to get the word out to people because, well, you know, I like cozies, but it's too gritty for mm-hmm. a cozy. You know, I don't like the grip, but then I like the dogs and I like the humor. You know, well, it's promoted as humor. Well, maybe promoted as thriller So, because it crosses the genre, so so it's almost like a double-edged sword. But I went into this saying, I'm going to write what I want to read, Mm -hmm. and I like all that stuff, and just try to get it out to everyone, you know. And like, I got one email from somebody who was unhappy because I use, you know, hell and damn in Crimes Past, (laughs) and she said that was offensive to her that I use hell and damn. But that was how those characters would talk. You yeah. know, I don't use the F word. You know, there's a lot of words I don't use. But because I had hell and because I had damn, then she was offended. Oh, <laughs> she wow, says She's giving me one more chance.
0: Oh, wow. That's, that's interesting. <laughs> I, I never would have thought that damn and hell would be <laughs> considered uh, offensive. <laughs>
1: Yeah, yeah. Know, and I have a lot of characters that don't use them, yeah. but, you know, my, my main characters don't generally use them, but it, unless they're in certain situations, mm-hmm. but see, I have a lot of clean readers. Yeah, I had writer's block once for about a year. And because I had one book that was published by a traditional publisher, and that was before I made the final decision, no, I'm just going to be independent, so I don't have to deal with them. And I was trying to write to please this publisher, Mm. and I had writer's block for a full year, and finally I just hung it up, and I severed the ties with this publisher, you know. They they want me to cut like about – Three thousand words to fit into this box with mm. what a mystery was, you know. You know, okay, is three thousand words too long? <laughs> <laughs> now, how do you cut three 000, three thousand words? You know, yeah. uh, I write that in one day, uh, <laughs> so yeah, I was, a day uh, gone. <laughs> yeah, a day gone. You know, I cut them off, and then I got an email from Amazon about CreateSpace. Would you like to publish with us? And I thought. You know, I'll just write what I want. So I sent them with the 3,000 words, too many. Uh, actually, I, I decided to do a rewrite and add Gnarly. Uh, that was when, when Gnarly came to my life. And I said, well, I'm just going to write what I want. What I want to write, whether it please the readers or writers, is I'm writing for me. And that was, it's Murder My Son. That was my third book. And that one went up to number one on Amazon and Mysteries. And I wrote it totally for myself. And that's what my rule is, is I write what I want. I don't write necessarily for the readers. I don't write for publishers. I don't write for reviewers. I write what I want. And I've never had writer's block ever since.
0: Hmm. And what is your writing routine? Do you like have a word count goal every day? And, and do you write in the same spot every day? Or what's your, your routine?
1: Uh, I write basically where I land. I (laughs) I have a laptop and I have a studio, which, you know, my husband made a nice studio for me and I basically have junk there. And, you know, whenever I get up in the morning, I, you know, because I'm a professional writer, I consider it a business and I treat it like a job. And I will spend usually until about 10 o'clock, like between 6 and 10 o'clock. And that's when I do the social media and the marketing, the book promotion, sending out query letters to, you know, bloggers and uh, podcast people, you know, asking for reviews and that. I do that until about 10 and then in the afternoon is when I will write. And sometimes I'll write into the evening. I take a break about four o'clock to cook dinner because my husband doesn't cook, you know, to do dinner and that. And in the evening I will write. And I'll write until about 1130 or midnight or so. Oh and wow, so, a
0: full, full day.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, I consider it a full-time job. Yeah. Uh, now, sometimes the words don't come to me, but generally they do. You know, if I'm getting on a real roll, Now, I have uh, author friends who we've had discussions. I'm one of those people, and I think I'm the only author I know, who I cannot walk away from a scene. Like, if I have my characters in a shootout, I cannot walk away and let them bleed out. Mm. Now, if I had total freedom, if I wasn't married and had no family— and I've done this at writers retreats. I'll write all the way through dinner. It's because my husband is going to faint from hunger <laughs> that I have to stop at four o'clock to, you know, go cook dinner. So if I know that I'm going to go into a scene that's, you know, I'm going to be in the middle of that scene before I start dinner, then I wait until after I cook dinner. And I've had writers tell me. I let my characters bleed out for three or four weeks at a time. And I'm like, no, I can't. I I have to finish the scene. (laughs) (laughs) And I think I, I don't know any other writer who does that. And they just think that's crazy. And maybe it is crazy, but I can't, you know, I know they're fictional, but I can't let them just lay there bleeding in the middle of the street. I, I got I to gotta get it taken care of.
0: <laughs> and what do you use to write? Do you use like a Word or some other tool?
1: I use Microsoft Word and I have Grammarly. So I will, after I finish writing the first draft, then I will go through and, uh, and make sure the continuity is taken care of. And I'll do some of the editing too while I'm doing that. So I go through and do an edit look to plug up loose ends and that before I send it to the editor and then actually while she's editing I will edit too but you know I have to have another pair of eyes to look at it Mm -hmm. and then I have two proofreaders who proofread after the layout and I do the layout myself the government taught me how to do that whenever uh, I was working with the federal government and you know whenever I'm going to tell you how old I am. I learned journalism when they had the light tables, when they had the light tables and, you, you know, you had the paper there, you know, all the lines on that.
0: Oh, yeah. Uh,
1: and then I was working in the federal government, a printing house, and they called me in one day and said, we're going to send you off to learn desktop publishing. Oh. And I said, what's that? <laughs> And that was before, you know, Adobe and design. So yeah. so I learned all the layout skills back when they had the light tables. So I do my own layout. And I just, with the last couple of books, started doing my own cover design because I, you know, I learned how to do it. Yeah, So I do that myself.
0: That comes handy because that formatting for me was always the... Uh... Pulling my hair out, trying to figure that out.
1: <laughs> and to me, it comes easy. It's just like a. I can do a layout for a whole book in a weekend. Oh, wow. Now that, yeah. So, so I don't have to send it away to do that. No. Yeah. And I've worked on other authors' books. I just have more fun working on my own. But on my website, I actually have Acorn Book Services a section – where I offer like writing, coaching and layout design and cover design for other authors.
0: And how's that working with other authors? Is that, uh, do, you, do you enjoy that?
1: I've done that for quite a few years and it was whenever it's Murder, My Son and, and my book started becoming hits, you know, other authors mm-hmm. started coming to me asking me for help. So, you know, because it takes time away from my writing I do charge for it. Mm-hmm. And then uh, I like working with other authors. I've mentored other authors. I'm just so happy working on my own books Mm -hmm. but you know but i do take other authors on and sometimes that works out sometimes i find that a lot of authors what they don't want to do and and i don't know i just embrace it because i've learned it i'm a big do-it-yourselfer is they don't want to do the book promotion
0: oh well yeah
1: (laughs) yeah because it's it's not fun yeah but once you learn it i mean just like anything once you learn it then it becomes fun (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I hear a lot about that, too. They don't they don't like doing it. And well, you know, but yeah, it's it's just something that needs to be learned. Even if you got a traditional deal now, unless you're like a big name, you are still gonna have to do a lot of the promotion yourself. So
1: I was actually offered a uh, like my very first book, A Small Case of Murder, I did through iUniverse. And I had to do my own promotion and I actually hired a publicist. And but I still had to do all this stuff. And then I was offered a traditional contract for a reunion to die for. And uh, I was so happy and I thought, okay, I got it made. But I had to do all the same stuff I had to do with (laughs) iUniverse. And the publisher who took a reunion to die for, they offered me a contract for it's murder, my son. But they wanted me to cut it by 3,000 words. And I was like, what 3,000 words am I going to cut? So I walked away from them. And I rewrote It's Murder, My Son to include Gnarly, who is a real fan favorite. That's the German Shepherd who went on to become mayor. And I was offered two contracts from two other traditional publishers for It's Murder, My Son after I made the decision to go through CreateSpace. These two other publishers contacted me. That was when I sat down and I made a list of all the book promotion stuff I had to do with Thy Universe all the book promotion stuff I had to do with whenever I was traditionally published. And I realized I had to do the same in both cases. Mm -hmm. So why should I give a, like, 70% of my royalties (laughs) to a traditional publisher when I still have to do all the work?
0: Yeah,
1: (laughs) (laughs) And I... Turned away and I did not look back. And it's Murder My Son went on to become number one in mysteries on Amazon. But, you know, I knew I made the right decision because one of the publishers, they wanted all of the ebook rights. Mm-hmm. You know, I wasn't going to get very much at all for the ebooks. And I was uh, publishing the ebooks. Amazon contacted me when they first started doing the ebooks, the Kindle books, mm-hmm. and uh, invited me to put my books in with them. And I was making a good chunk of change with that. Yeah,
0: that's (laughs) what they wanted.
1: (laughs) So I was was like, why should I give that to you? Just, you know, just to say that I was traditionally published instead of an indie author. So I haven't regretted being an indie at all.
0: That's great. And so what are you working on now? Uh, you, You said you have another book coming out in March?
1: In March. And that is The Root of Murder. And that is a Lovers and Crime. I have three books out with the Lovers and Crime. This will be the fourth one. And it takes place in the town where I was born and grew up, which was Chester, West Virginia. And you go a mile in any direction and you're in a different state. And Joshua Thornton, he's the county prosecuting attorney in Hancock County, West Virginia. And he's married to Lieutenant cameron gates who is a pennsylvania state homicide detective and they find a uh body in pennsylvania in hookstown pennsylvania of a vice president with a nuclear power plant is he's found in a field burnt murdered and uh, set on fire uh in a field and uh, they figure it's an open and shut case when they find the murder weapon with his estranged son-in-law. But then they get a missing persons report of a husband who's gone missing. And they find out that this vice president has been living a double life hmm. that has been going on for, for decades. <laughs> oh, oh, okay. So it's not a very open and shut case. So it's like, who was the victim? Who was the intended victim? So it becomes very complicated. <laughs> so, <laughs> and that's so available. It's called the Ruta murder, Ruta murder, right?
0: yeah. and I see that it's already available for pre-order. So if listeners want to go check that out, and uh, what are you writing now? Then are you actively writing something now?
1: Well, that is what I am working on now. And it will be ready to go by then. Mm-hmm. And then uh, the next one after that is a work in progress that's not titled yet. And that will be a uh, another Geezer Squad. That will be another Chris Matheson cold case mystery. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I'll be working on that. And I think after that will be another Thorny Rose. We'll just see where my characters take me.
0: <laughs> <laughs> where can the listeners find you online? You have a website and uh, your Facebook and everything, I would imagine.
1: (laughs) Yes, I do. It is mysterylady.net. And they can find excerpts from my books there. And all of my books are in audiobook, available on Audible and iTunes. And most of my books are also available on Smashwords. My new releases, they are all Kindle Unlimited. So everything from ICE, the Geezer Squads are all Kindle Unlimited. The Murder by Perfection is Kindle Unlimited. And so is Crimes Past, the latest Faraday mystery.
0: All right, great. So um, before I let you go, I know we have a a mix of of aspiring writers that I know that email me that listen to this podcast. Any advice for them before I let you go? Uh,
1: Just write for yourself. Just write what you would want to read basically be true to yourself because if you're writing for other people then it just doesn't come across as you
0: just be yourself okay great advice well thank you lauren so much for being on the podcast i really appreciate it It was a lot of fun talking to you
1: okay thanks a lot alan
0: thank you for listening to this episode of the podcast i'd like to ask for your support by helping me get the word out about it and the best way to do that is by leaving a rating and or review wherever it is that you're listening to this podcast or you're subscribed to it, be it on uh, Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts or if you listen to this on Stitcher or Spotify, tune in. wherever it is you're subscribed to this podcast, if you can leave a rating and review, it will help me get the word out and I would really appreciate it. Also, do check out my website at alanpeterson.com where you can learn more about my thriller books as well as the podcast website over at thrillerauthors.com where you can learn more about this episode as well as check out the show notes and links to resources and all that good stuff. Thanks for listening and until next time.